as most of you know, on Sunday mornings we are looking into the, the Old Testament book of Proverbs, God's book of practical wisdom. We are calling this series of messages, Proverbs, Wisdom for Human Flourishing. God wants all of us to flourish in our families, in our workplace, in our various uh, communities, certainly in his church. And uh, Proverbs gives us Holy Spirit-inspired wisdom from Solomon. And so today, think with me about this subject, integrity, the indispensable virtue. Integrity, the indispensable virtue. We'll begin in a moment in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 3. I hold in my hand a book from my library that I brought with me to the pulpit today by Robbie Zacharias. And the title of this book is Deliver Us from Evil. Of course, the Lord Jesus taught us to pray to the Father to deliver us from evil. Why did I bring this book by Robbie Zacharias? It's because after his tragic death from cancer last year, it became obvious and became apparent that Robbie Zacharias had lived, at least in recent years, a double life. Now, I'm not telling you something that's not in the public domain. It's been in the religious press, thoroughly discussed there, and even in the secular press. Here's a man that many of us looked up to as a respected Christian leader and apologist, and yet he had a double lifestyle. He had an integrity problem. Uh, The tragedy is, Ravi Zacharias is not the only person that has an integrity problem and not the only person who names the name of the Lord Jesus Christ with an integrity problem. There's a deficit of integrity today throughout the land among some pastors and missionaries and evangelists and gospel singers, among athletes. We read from time to time about athletes who inject into their bodies different drugs that give them an unfair advantage over their competitors. Integrity is a problem in the corporate bedroom, uh, boardrooms of our land with corporate executives taking exorbitant amounts of money while people in their employ suffer. So integrity is a real issue. And I want to suggest this morning that integrity is the indispensable virtue for human flourishing. Not only in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, but in the greater culture. Without integrity in the home, uh, marriages are on the rocks. Without integrity in the church, you'll find division and discord. Without integrity in the government, the citizens lose restraint. And we are seeing this today like never before in my lifetime. 
Therefore, it's important that we be men and women of integrity. Now, I think it goes without saying that all of you, that certainly most of you, know what the word integrity means, but let me give you a Webster Dictionary definition. Mr. Webster says that integrity is the quality or state of being complete or undivided. Honesty. The Bible definition of integrity is blameless or above reproach. Integrity is who you are when no one is looking at you. Integrity is who you are in the dark. Integrity is the opposite of hypocrisy. What cancer is to the body, hypocrisy is to the soul. But turn that on its head. Likewise, what integrity is to the soul is what good health is to the body. And if we're going to have souls that are at peace and rest and healthy and flourish, we must be, be, we must be men and women of integrity. It is basically just being truthful in our speech, in our thoughts, in our relationships. To have integrity is to have 36 inches to the yard and 12, excuse me, 16 ounces to the pound. It is a true measure. Dwight Eisenhower was one of our great presidents. Before that, he was the supreme commander of the Allied troops in the dark days of the Second World War in the European theater. Dwight Eisenhower said of integrity, in order to be a leader, a man must have followers. And to have followers, a man must have their confidence. Hence, the supreme quality for a leader is unquestionable integrity. Without it, he writes, no real success is possible, no matter whether it is on a section gang, a football field, in an army, or in an office. If a man's associates find him guilty of being phony, if they find that he lacks forthright integrity, he will fail. His teachings and actions must square with each other. The first great need, therefore, is integrity and high purpose. So this morning as we think about integrity, the indispensable virtue, I want you to see with me five axioms regarding the lifestyle of a man or woman of integrity which are found for us in the pages of the book of Proverbs. The first one found in chapter 11 verse 3 is, a lifestyle of integrity is a faithful guide for living wisely. Now, we've said the whole book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom, practical wisdom, how to order our lives and our relationships. And so a foundation of that is a lifestyle of integrity. And when you and I embrace such a lifestyle of integrity, then we have a faithful guide for how to live. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 3 says, The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity or by their lack of integrity. Uh, but notice the, 
there in the first part, the first uh, uh, phrase in this verse, that it is integrity that guides the upright. So this is wisdom from God for moral decision-making and for ethical decision-making. A man or woman of integrity has a, a commitment in advance of all situations that may come his or her way to do that which is right and truthful and proper. It is a prior commitment to obey God's commands at all times, in all places, and to always, always, always choose truth over falsehood. And to do so even if doing so costs you personally. Ted Ingstrom, in a book he wrote entitled Integrity, said, Integrity is not only the way one thinks, but even more the way one acts. Simply put, integrity is doing what you said you would do. It is as basic as keeping your word and fulfilling your promise. Jesus put it this way, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. It was in the context of not swearing. If you have to swear that something you're about to say is trustworthy, then there's already a question involved. It ought to be, when you say something to somebody, it's dependable, it's trustworthy. Again, to quote Jesus, let your yes be yes, let your no be be no. Now, you could have integrity and not know the Lord. You can't have holiness without knowing the Lord. Holiness is the gift of God given to us. When we receive the Lord Jesus Christ, we are judicially and positionally declared righteous and holy in his sight. Sanctification is the outworking of that holiness between the, the moment of our conversion until the end of our life. And so if we're walking in holiness, integrity won't even be a, an issue for us because a holy man, a holy woman, is a man or woman of integrity. But it's certainly incumbent upon those who name the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be persons of integrity, who live lives above reproach, who seek in every way to honor the Lord, every thought, every word, every action, every reaction, to honor the Lord. A lifestyle of integrity and it results in having the wisdom of God in play in our lives. Evangelist Billy Graham said and I quote when wealth is lost nothing is lost. When health is lost something is lost. When character is lost all is lost. And whatever else ought to be said of you and me, it ought to be said, he or she is a man or a woman of integrity. Integrity. Don't leave home without it. A lifestyle of integrity is a faithful guide to living wisely. Leave it behind and you'll shatter your life on the rocks of error 
and sin. The second axiom regarding the lifestyle of integrity is this. A lifestyle of integrity is a shield of protection against temptation. Look with me in chapter 13, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 6. There we read, righteousness guards the man of integrity, but wickedness overthrows the sinner. Now, the moment you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you're placed on a battlefield. Before that, you weren't in a battlefield. You were already a captive to the adversary. You were in his domain. And when you come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you, 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 you transfer from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. You become a, a child of God, a child of light, and now you're on, a, you're on a spiritual battlefield that will rage until the day you die or until Jesus comes first. And so there's this great contest that we face every single, really every single moment of every day between truth and error, righteousness and sin, obedience and disobedience. Now we read in Proverbs 13 verse 6 that righteousness is a guard, it's a shield it's a means of protection for the man of integrity, the man who seeks to live his life above reproach. And so you've already made this commitment, regardless of what temptation comes your way, no matter how attractive it may be, how alluring it may be, by God's grace, with the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to obey God. Every time, just obey God. Do what's right. Speak the truth. A great example of that from the Old Testament would be the, uh, Joseph. Uh, you, you know the story of Joseph. He was sold into slavery by his uh, brothers who were jealous of him, taken down into Egypt. And there he was made a, a household servant, a slave, if you please, and the in the household of a man named Potiphar, who was a high official there in Egypt. And uh, he was such a, a wonderful servant that uh, Potiphar kept promoting him and promoting him and finally put him in charge of all of his household. Apparently, it's a pretty large household that he was given charge of. Uh, Potiphar was married to a woman who was, well, let's just say she had evil designs on Joseph. And the Bible tells us that Joseph was, was uh, handsome and well-built. And uh, Potiphar's wife was attracted to him. And the Bible says in, in Genesis chapter 29 that she went to him. She sought to seduce him. She said to him, come sleep with me. And so here he is. He's a long way from home. He's uh, in a strange place foreign country, nobody back in his homeland where his father and his brothers live would ever know. But he was a man of integrity. And he fled from her as she sought to seduce him. Initially, it got him in big trouble. He got thrown into prison. But as you know, the end of the story, it turned out that because he went through prison, he was ultimately 
released from prison and promoted to be the prime minister of all of Egypt, second only to the, the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh. Joseph was a man of integrity. He was not going to sell his integrity for a few moments of sensual and biological pleasure. Integrity is absolutely indispensable if you and I are going to live lives that flourish. And let me say furthermore that partial integrity is not integrity. It's not like I'm going to be I'm going to have integrity 23 hours out of the day, and one hour out of the day, I'm going to, I'm going to just uh, have it my way. Not at all. Now, I haven't said all of that. I must confess to you, I blew my integrity a couple of, a couple of weeks ago. On my day off, the phone rang. I answered it, and it was a recorded message. I said, this is a recorded message for Samuel Jackson. That's my first name, for those of you who don't know. Uh, this is a recorded message for Samuel Jackson from the Social Security Administration. Your Social Security number has been compromised. Press 1 to talk to our legal department. What would you do? I press 1. This time I got a live voice. And the person on the other end of the line said, Mr. Jackson, we're calling because your Social Security number has been compromised. If you'll give us your number, We'll take care of it for you. And I said, sure. My number is 666-66-6666. Beep. I'm no fool. Which, by the way, Proverbs 26.5 says, answer a fool according to his folly. That's exactly what I did. Beware the scammers who have no integrity. Students, you're faced with challenges to your integrity every time you sit down to take a test or write a term paper. Now, dishonesty in the academic community has been going on for generations. But I believe it's probably easier to do it today than ever before. But there's more reason than ever for God's people to not succumb to the temptation. To submit as your work or your learning or your research what somebody else did. Plagiarism is dishonesty. When you sit in somebody else's work as your own, that's a violation of integrity and it dishonors the Lord. Dr. Madison Serrett taught mathematics at Vanderbilt University for many years. Before giving a test, he would admonish his class with words like this. Today I'm giving two examinations, one in trigonometry and the other in honesty. I hope you will pass them both. If you must fail one, fail trigonometry. There are many good people in the world who can't pass trig, but there are no good people in the world who cannot pass the examination of honesty. 
Better to make an honest C than a dishonest A. Far better. You still have a clear conscience if you do that. Now, the challenge that many Christians, university students face is not so much I want to benefit from somebody else's knowledge, but I've studied, I've worked hard, I've prepared, and somebody wants to cheat off of me. If you want to honor the Lord, you just say, no, we're not going there. It is a, it is a matter of integrity. Integrity is a shield of protection against temptation. And those temptations are going to come. 20 or so years ago, I had a team of men on an island in the Indian Ocean on a mission. And uh, we had flown from Dar es Salaam to Johannesburg, South Africa, and then we we're going to catch a flight home. And so we go to the counter there, South African Airways, and uh, I'm team leader, so I've got the tickets, and I go to the counter, and I've got a dozen men with me behind me, and I give the, the agent at the counter our tickets, and he starts typing and looking and typing and looking, and on either side are other counters, and people are being processed, going through, going through, going through, and he's just taking his jolly good time. And I don't know how long passed, 20, 30, 40 minutes maybe. We hadn't moved. He hadn't processed any one of us. And I was just saying, sir, I've got a plane to catch. I've got to get these men on this plane. And he just keep typing away. And then it dawned on me, he was waiting for a bribe. I didn't tell him. I wasn't going to give him a bribe. If we had to spend the next five years in Johannesburg Airport, we were not going to dishonestly bribe our way home. My integrity is absolutely not for sale. As it turned out, at the very last minute, he processed us quickly just like that, and we got on the flight just in time to come home. A lifestyle of integrity is a shield of protection against temptation. I say it again, integrity. Don't leave home without it. The reputation that you may save be your own. A third axiom of the lifestyle of integrity is a lifestyle of integrity delights the Lord. Look in chapter 12, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22. A lifestyle of integrity delights the Lord. There we read, the Lord detests lying lips or lying lips or an abomination to the Lord. But he delights in men who are truthful. Notice the contrast here between delights and detests. There are certain things that bring great delight to the heart of God. And integrity is one of those things. There are certain things that God detests. And dishonesty is one of those things. The Lord detests lying lips. But he delights in men who are truthful. King David said, and I quote, this is from 1 Chronicles, I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased 
with integrity. It pleases God. Likewise, God hates deceit. Look in Proverbs chapter 6. You say, God hates. Indeed, God does hate. God hates all manner of things, and deceit is one of them. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable unto him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. Now God hates all seven of those things. Two of the seven have to do with telling the truth or telling falsehood. Verse 17, God hates a lying tongue. Verse 19, God hates a false witness who pours out lies. So if, if our lives are characterized by deceit and dishonor and, and, and dishonesty and fraud, then God hates that about us. Now God always loves us, but he hates that. Furthermore, if you and I are going to have close, intimate fellowship with God, we must be persons of integrity. Do you desire a closer walk with God? I hope you do. I hope every single day, you hope that when that day is over, you're closer to the Lord Jesus than you were when that day began. More in love with him. Uh, more eager to please him in every way. So do you? Do you desire unbroken fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, here's, here's the pathway. It's spelled integrity. Uh, find Psalm 15 here. Look at Psalm 15. Uh, this is a psalm of David. And the first verse is, is two questions. A question that all of us ought to ask ourselves. Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? And who may live on your holy hill? That is, who can come close to you, Lord? The sanctuary is the place where we meet God. Who, who can dwell in your presence, in your holy presence? And the answer found in the remainder of this very brief psalm. Here it is. He whose walk is blameless. That is, he who is a person of integrity. He who does what is right, who speaks the truth from his heart, who has no slander on his tongue, who does his neighbor no wrong, who casts no slur on his fellow man and despises a vile man, but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps his oath even when it hurts, who lends his money without usury and does not accept the bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things will not be shaken. Psalm, Psalm 15 is a description of the man or woman who is marked by integrity. And sometimes you do these things even when it hurts. Look in, look in verse, the latter part of verse 14. Who keeps his oath, that is, who, who honors his promise even when it hurts him in some way. It is not to his advantage, whatever that may be. Maybe financial, maybe relational, maybe something else. Integrity is the pathway. My life has been marked for integrity by godly parents, but especially my father. And uh, 
My dad was a businessman for about 50 years, a successful businessman. And he had, he was quite a, he was a, he was a, a bit of an entrepreneur. Uh, he had some businesses that uh, didn't do well. <laughs> he had some that did well, and he'd take some of the profits of those that did well to try to, to start something else, and sometimes they did well, and sometimes they didn't, but after I was an adult, my dad uh, went in business with, uh, in a partnership with a man that once had been his, uh, his bookkeeper. And they started making a lot of money, just the two of them, in this business. Of course, my dad's a Christian. This other man had no obvious faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and didn't share my dad's high ethical and moral standards. And one year at Christmas, my, this man said to my father, his, their partners, he said, I want to give all of our, uh, all of our clients a fifth of whiskey for a Christmas present. And my dad said, we can't do that. He said, well, I'm going to do it anyway. And so my dad just severed himself from the business, walked away from a lot of money because he was not willing to engage in a practice that was morally reprehensible to him. That has marked my life. Would to God that every boy and every girl had a father like that God gave to me. Money's not everything. Integrity is. Don't ever sell your soul, your integrity, to get a little more money in your bank account. It's a high price to pay. We're talking about integrity, the indispensable virtue. I said to you, integrity, don't leave home without it. Let me give you a fourth axiom of a lifestyle of integrity. A lifestyle of integrity provides peace of mind. Let's go back to Proverbs this time, chapter 10. Chapter 10, verse 9. A man of integrity walks securely. That is a blameless man, one who has ordered his life so that he lives in a manner which is absolutely above approach. A man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. Let's just start with the negative. He who takes crooked paths will be found out. It happened after his death, but Ravi Zacharias has been exposed as a fraud. Scripture says, be sure your sin will find you out. On the other hand, a man of integrity walks securely. A man or woman of integrity is not always looking over his or her shoulder, fearful of being exposed or found out. A man or woman of integrity has no fear of an IRS audit. You ought to welcome an IRS audit. I've been audited. They, didn't, they thought I gave more money than I should have. 
we, we ought to live our lives so that there's absolutely no, no reason to question us. A person of integrity has no fear that his wife or her husband will discover something about him that would bring embarrassment or shame to the marriage. If you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear. There, there's so much wisdom in living lives of integrity. If you have integrity, you have peace of mind. You have a clear conscience. And the key to that, my friend, is to walk before the face of God. Look in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 21. Proverbs 5, 21. For a man's ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all of his paths. Young people, you can, you, you can hide it for a while from your mom and dad. Husband, you can hide that secret part of your life from your wife. Or wife, you can hide it from your husband for a while. Employee stealing from your company, you can hide it for a while. But eventually, you're going to be exposed. But God sees all. Look at it again. Proverbs 5, verse 21. A man's ways are in full view of the Lord. He examines all his paths. Our God is omnipresent and omniscient. He sees all because he is everywhere present. And he sees everything. Thing you and I do. We can hide it from others for a while, but we cannot hide anything from our all-knowing God. Across my years, I've traveled a lot of places around the world, far more than I ever would have imagined growing up in South Alabama. I thought maybe once in my life I might get to go see New York City. And I'm just amazed at all the places that have opened for me to travel. I'm aware that when I'm away, I'm by myself. And at this age, I don't travel by myself anymore. But I used to a lot. Get on a plane and be gone for 10 days or two weeks somewhere. Africa, Asia, Europe. Plenty of opportunity to do things that dishonor the Lord when nobody's there to see you. But you never know who might be there. One Sunday afternoon, I was in Hyde Park, Speaker's Corner. My favorite thing to do in London, other than visit my friends, is to go to Hyde Park, Speaker's Corner on Sunday. And somebody came up and tapped me on the shoulder from behind. A Lakeview member. Sure was glad I was behaving. <laughs> Another time I'd been in Romania and preaching. I was coming home and changing planes in the Gaulle Airport in Paris. I'm walking down a corridor, and I had an Auburn cap on. It was very crowded. And somebody said, War Eagle. And I said, War Eagle. And he turned, and I turned, and I didn't remember him, but he was a student at Auburn back in the early 80s. He, he came to Lakeview 
he recognized me. We had a nice chat right there in the airport in Paris. Uh, sure, I'm glad I hadn't just stopped by the book stand and bought me a pornographic magazine to read on the flight home. Be careful. Integrity. Don't leave home without it. Now, number five, and finally, we're talking about the axioms of a lifestyle of integrity. A lifestyle of integrity stands as a rebuke to people of corrupt character. A lifestyle of integrity is going to be contrary to how most of the world is ordering their lives. And therefore, it's going to stand as a rebuke to people whose character is corrupt. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 10 says, Bloodthirsty men hate a man of integrity and seek to kill the upright. Well, for sure, some have been martyrs for the faith. Multitudes across 2,000 years of church history. It's probably not the risk that any of us run. But you can be sure that bloodthirsty men do hate people of integrity. If you work in an office where people are characterized by deceit and fraud and dishonesty and trickery, and you're a person of integrity, they're, they're not going to be comfortable with you because your very lifestyle is an indictment upon them. Howard Hendricks, for many years professor at the Dallas Seminary, said, I was walking in the streets of San Mateo, a small town on the San Francisco Peninsula. I met an attorney who I knew from a local evangelical church. I said to him, what are you doing? He said, I'm looking for a job. I said, you've got to be kidding. He said, no, last week I walked out the front door of that corporation and told them, you can hang it on your beak. I'm no longer going to write contracts that you and I both know are illegal and illegitimate. Now there's a man of integrity. Howard Hendricks said, that man was one of the top five corporate lawyers in America, and yet he was unwilling to sell his value system for a mess of pottage. We need more lawyers like that. And indeed we do. And not just more lawyers like that, but more physicians and farmers, corporate executives, teachers, assembly line workers. Wherever, whatever your vocation, we need more like that. He'll walk away from an affluent lifestyle before he'll sell his soul. Look at it again, Proverbs 29, verse 10. Bloodthirsty men hate a man of integrity. If you're working with people that are characterized by dishonesty and deceit, you're going to have a heart. But God gives grace for every situation. Not likely you'll have it as hard as John the Baptist did. 
John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Messiah, who preached repentance. And he preached repentance to the king who was living a sexually immoral life. And the king had John the Baptist thrown in prison and later had John beheaded. That's what it cost John the Baptist. It literally cost him his head because he would not back down from speaking truth to power. And then, of course, there's Jesus. Jesus was a man of integrity, but he was far more than a man of integrity. He was not just blameless. Jesus was sinless in every way. Yes, he was tempted in every way, just as you and I are tempted, but not one single time did Jesus ever yield to the temptation and commit sin. He was the perfect man in every way. He had enemies. We read about it in Matthew 22. Find Matthew 22. Begin with verse 15 and we'll look at verse, uh, read through verse uh, uh, 22. The religious establishment had it in for Jesus. They were jealous of Jesus. They despised Jesus. They schemed against Jesus. As you know, they ultimately succeeded in bringing Jesus to arrest and to the cross but one of the events prior to that we read about here in chapter 22 we'll start with verse 15 then the Pharisees went out and they laid plans to trap him that is Jesus in his words they're, they're setting a trap for the for the son of God these religious leaders were evil mean-spirited corrupt men verse 16 they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians teacher they said we know that you are a man of integrity and you teach and you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth you aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are now they didn't believe that but he was a man of integrity they're just trying to snooker Jesus good luck with that we know you're a man of integrity, which he was. You teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. They didn't believe he, he did that, but he did. Verse 17, tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? They thought they had him in the proverbial trap. No matter how he answered, it's not going to go over well. If he says pay taxes to Caesar, then the Jewish people that didn't like the Roman oppression, they'd be upset with him. And if he said don't pay taxes to Caesar, then... And then the Roman establishment would be upset with him. Verse 18, but Jesus, knowing their evil intent because he knows what's in their heart, said, you hypocrites, you men who have no integrity, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. And they brought him a denarius and he asked them whose portrait is this and whose inscription. And they replied, Caesar's. And then Jesus said to them, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And when they heard this, they were amazed, and so they left him, and they went away. Now, they kept coming back until they finally had him arrested. 
But Jesus is our, our, our model of integrity. You, you take the book of Proverbs and turn it into a person, you're going to have the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is wisdom incarnate in the flesh. So to say, I want to be a person of integrity, you're basically saying, I, I, want, to, I want as much as possible, I want my life to be like the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus is the wisdom of God. And for 33 years, God the Son took on flesh and lived this life of wisdom. There was childhood in Nazareth, his adolescent years there with Joseph and Mary, and then in the carpenter shop, and then at age 30, he laid aside the tools of his carpentry trade and began to travel around the countryside teaching, preaching, and healing and proclaiming that the kingdom of God has come. And the common people heard him gladly. But for the most part, the religious establishment opposed him and succeeded in having him arrested, tried illegally four times in a night, condemned the death of a common criminal, the death of the cross, and there on the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ, wisdom incarnate, shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, that all who will trust in him, turning from their sins and casting their faith in his finished atoning work on Calvary's cross, all who would do that would receive from him the gift of eternal life. Jesus is our hope. He is our hope for this life and he is our hope for eternity. And the wisest thing that a sinner can ever do is to humble himself before God and say, God be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me and make me your child. Has there come a time in your life when you've ever done that? If not, why not? What are you waiting for? We read in Revelation chapter 3 that Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. Of all the people in this room and all of you who are watching online, Either Jesus is in your life, blessing you, ministering to you, encouraging you, building you up in the holy faith, or he's outside, but he'll come in. He won't kick the door down. He won't force himself on you, but he lovingly knocks and says, invite me in and I will come. God, our Father, I thank you that you sent forth your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the embodiment of perfect wisdom, who came and lived for a while, 33 years among us, but who did more than demonstrate for us the life 
lived wisely and well for the glory of God, but who went to the cross and there suffered and bled and died that all who trust in him might have eternal life. Father, I pray for every man and woman, boy or girl, in the sound of my voice who does not know Jesus, I pray that before the sun sets today that they might repent and believe and embrace Jesus as Lord and Savior. I pray, Lord God, for their eternal welfare, for their human flourishing, and for the glory of your great name. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.